I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, and welcome to a brand new Nerd Alert. We know you missed us, don't worry, we're back. We're here to satiate you with crazy, random, nerdy stuff you never knew you always wanted to know. And to help us with that, my first co-host, my right-hand man, the man who keeps the nerd in the Tot Nerdy Toomey Network, the man determined to learn you something, whether you want to or not, ladies and gentlemen, Commander Scott. So for this week's little nerd tidbit fact that that, uh, that I want to cover this week, because I always like to start every show with, hey, did you know? Um, I- I'm going to need some help from the doc a little bit here real quick. Because, as everybody knows, the doc is a math person. He teaches maths. He understands maths. And I have a question for you real quick. When you're dealing with an equation um, that, of course, is is basically all um, uh, uh, variables and such. Uh Yeah. uh, And you've got, like, F sub P. Okay. How is that? What's the nomenclature for that? Like, if you're, if you're reading an equation, is it F sub P or yeah, F sub P? F sub it's a subscript. Yeah, yeah, it's a subscript. Because if if it's a subscript, then it'd be yeah, F sub P. But if it was a superscript, I would call it F to the P power. F to the F to the whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's but, what I thought. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure going into this. Yep. Um, and what I what I want to reference today is the Drake equation. Uh, have either of you all heard of the Drake equation? Is it the equation to determine what Drake songs are better than others? No. Is it no. the equation that uh, Drake University in Iowa uses to um, determine what students they need to bring in? No. Oh, all right. So everybody... Well, hold on. We weren't done guessing. Yeah, I, I okay, well, I mean, if you want to keep going, I'm fine with continuing. We'll be here all night throwing in our drink you know, you know, Hit me with it. Is it the the whatever to determine if it's a duck or a drake? No. Is it is it in reference to um, Dracula's name in Blade Trinity? We don't mention that here. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Go ahead, Scott. Anyway. Someone took all the fun out of it. Out of Blade sure. <laughs> so you two know of the Drake equation, just like pretty much everybody listening knows of the Drake equation, even if you don't know 
uh, if you've never heard it called that. And I know you've heard this because everybody has heard the old adage, hey, do you realize if you took all the stars in the galaxy and if 1% of them have planets and if 1% of those had planets that could sustain life and if one of those you know, had planets that could sustain life that actually evolved life, then there'd still be so many millions of planets capable with civilizations out there. You've, you've heard this saying, right? I have now. Really? You've never heard it? Anyway. Okay. All right. Anyway, this is an oversimplification of the Drake equation. So the Drake equation was formulated in 1961 by a scientist uh, by the name of Frank Drake, not for the purposes of quantifying so much the number of civilizations. Uh, well, first of all, let me back up. It's a problemistic argument used to estimate the number of active, communicative, extraterrestrial civilizations in the Milky Way galaxy. Um. Basically, he came up with this as a way to stimulate scientific dialogue at the first ever scientific meeting on the search for extraterrestrial intelligence or SETI, uh, which he helped to 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 found. He he's he's yeah. one of the co-founders of the SETI organization. Yeah, I know SETI. SETI Alpha Five, right? This is SETI Alpha Five. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thought it was Seti Alpha Six. I'm confused. Seti Alpha Six exploded six months after we left. Explosion <laughs> shifted the orbit of this planet, laying everything to waste. Sorry. This has been Wrath of Khan Theater with Commander Scott. <laughs> anyway, the Drake equation is as follows: uh, n equals r sub asterisk times F sub P times N sub E times F sub L or one. I can't tell with them from the font times F sub I times F sub C times L where N equals the number of civilizations in our galaxy with which communication might be possible, i.e. which are on our, on our current past light cone. And uh, so R sub star is the average rate of star formation in our galaxy. FP is the fraction of those stars that have planets. And E is the average number of planets that can potentially support life per star that has planets. FL is the fraction of planets that can support life that actually develop at some point. FI is the fraction of planets uh, with, with life that can go on to develop intelligent life. FC is the fraction of those civilizations that develop the technology that releases detectable signs of existence into space, i.e. radio signals. And L is the length of time for which some, such civilizations release detectable signals into space. Um, uh, and, and once again, so, so all of these variables, uh, so it's, it's based off of an average of our, our sub asterisk is one per year approximately. Uh, one star uh, formed per year on average over the life of the galaxy, which at the time that this came out was largely regarded as conservative. Uh, F sub P is uh, one fifth to one half of those stars formed will have planets. N sub E, one to five stars with planets will have between one and five planets capable of developing life. Uh, F sub L is, is, is 100%, uh, percent, meaning these planets will develop life. FI, 100% of these will develop intelligent life. It's just a way to estimate, okay? Now, inserting all of the above minimum numbers into the equation yields a minimum of N equals 20. Inserting the maximum numbers gives you a range of 50 million. 
which means the Drake equation basically states that given all these numbers and factors of averages and just off the cuff, uh, we can have between 20 and 50 million. I'm sorry, wait, wait. Uh, I'm basically part of the equation. Uh, sorry, between 1 and 100 million planets with civilizations capable of uh, of communicating video, via radio signals within the Milky Way galaxy. Once again, this was not meant to be hard and fast numbers. It was just meant to stimulate an intellectual conversation, which I always thought was was really interesting. And there's a whole lot of other research in the Drake equation since the 1960s that, that go you know, NASA's performed stuff and calculations and things. And I'm not going to go into that. The reason I bring this up is because this past Friday, uh, September 2nd, 2022 we lost frank uh, frank drake he passed at the age of 92 and i just thought it was worth mentioning that uh, this gentleman you know who was out here until recently still in the world came up with this equation in the 60s uh because he just wanted people to talk and i figured the best way we could honor his memory was to talk about it that's yeah the uh the argument with like if you ever hear a person say that there is no other life in the universe you can just laugh at them because statistics and probability dictate that that is impossible yeah um but one of the interesting things that about it is the fact that we we don't have faster than light communication with anything so everything that we're looking at, so like, this yeah. is an interesting thing. So let, let's say we detect radio signals. Let's say SETI, which, which Frank Drake helped to found, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Let's say we pick up a repeating intelligent radio communication today. Right? Yeah. And it is, uh, let's see here, what, what's... What, what, what's our current stars? The, the SETI Alpha is, is the current star, the, the closest star to, Earth, uh, to us, I believe, is, is what it is. I, in all honesty, I believe it is the SETI Alpha system. No, Alpha Centauri. Sorry. It's the Alpha Centauri system. Um, which I think the Alpha Centauri system is still like, you know, I'd have to look it up. But let, let's say it's 150 light years away. Hold right? on. I'm, I'm Googling. Okay. You keep going. Uh, but. So let's say we picked up the uh, a, a thing from the closest star here, right? And hey, we've got an advanced civilization. They're communicating and blah, 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 blah. Now we can send a radio signal out, but it's going to take that amount of time, if not longer, because radio signals don't travel at the speed of light, to get back. So our message is going to be snail mail to the crank to 11. And let's say we possess the ability to reach you know, interstellar travel and reach City Alpha or not say Alpha, I keep going back to that, Alpha Centauri, um, we don't have faster than light travel. So it's going to take us many, 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 many years to get there. So by the time we pick up the signal, send a signal back, and then send a, an expedition to the planet, you know, if it's 100 light years away, you're talking, you know, 300 years have passed. By the time we make contact, that civilization could be dead and gone 
Um, Go Alpha ahead. Centauri is 4.367 light years from the. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. So that's our closest solar system, basically. Seven light years. Okay. So we detect a signal, we send a signal back, and then we send an exposition exposition or exposition. Expedition. Um, and even if that expedition, even if we have the technology to travel at near light speeds, um barring the uh time dilation effect, uh, which is relativistic in itself, not absolute, um uh, you're looking at a minimum, minimum of uh, 13, anywhere from 13 to 15 years from point of first contact, or point of first, you know, discovery to point of first contact. So the further out you get, the, the greater that gap. So we can detect a signal from a civilization that by the time we detect it has been long dead for centuries but there's no way for us to verify it. You know, that's just amazing to me. Um, actually, Scott, you're incorrect. It is uh, 26 years between first contact and discovery. <laughs> Hang on. So <laughs> you said 4.7? <laughs> Is that what you said? <laughs> Get it? No. Because first contact came out in 1996. <laughs> ah. Contact and discovery. Get it? Ah. <clears throat> Sorry. Are you guys still talking? Sorry, I just been reading the comic book the whole time. What's going on? Um, <clears throat> oh, you 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 weren't paying attention. That's okay. We can cycle back to the beginning. So no, no. Thank you, Scott. Uh, you always have, as random as they may seem, some very intriguing and insightful factoids. For us, oh god, you shouldn't have told us what that really means because now we know saying it wrong annoys you, and you know we're gonna use that. So, if you're still awake, thank you uh, for sitting through all that. We hope you enjoyed um, Scott's TED talk about space. Um, I swear we didn't mean to do this show all about space, but we can do a show all about space at some point. But to steer us back on target, uh, our our third and final host. Uh, the man who's going to get us on what we're actually supposed to be here talking about today. Joining us from somewhere in time and space, where he already knows uh, when we'll make first contact, because he's already been there this time and space. Perhaps via a phone box. Ladies and gentlemen, the doc. I see dead people. That's a random poll. Uh, the village is really in the middle of a giant. <laughs> giant forest <laughs> reserved okay i i, I get i get it now i get it now <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry what i can't hear you uh you're coming in really low i can't can you speak up please <laughs> wait wait hold on it was the wind the whole time <laughs> the, the plants are killing people <laughs> what no uh wait wait hold on what's another one okay okay uh it wasn't random the water actually hurts the aliens it's all it's all it's not all fate it was yeah wait no or was it right. fate? Uh, i don't know the man who's <laughs> watched too many m night Shyamalan movies it's the doc m night Shyamalan ding dong <laughs> that's the one uh yeah yeah 
Yeah. So Jay, today's topic came from your brain, so tell us what we're here to talk about. Uh, so Megan and I were watching a Disney movie, and at the end of the Disney movie, Megan's like, so what happens now? And I'm, I'm being very vague because it's my first thing on the topic. So at the end of the, the Disney movie, Megan's like, well, what happens now? And I was like, I don't know. And then I said something that was very dark. And she's like, wow, that is a very dark twist. And I was like, oh, my God, that's a great idea. So today we are putting dark twists in movies that don't need one or have one or should ever get one. But we're going to do it. So <laughs> we're doing it. If you're still a little confused, Jay, go ahead and give us our first one. Uh, so fill in the vague spots for us. Yes. So mm-hmm. Megan and I were watching the Disney movie Atlantis. Um, I can't remember when it came out in the 2000s. Maybe it was 2000, 2001. Uh, Very underrated and underappreciated Disney movie, in my opinion. Uh, Has a really good voice cast. I really enjoy that movie. Megan really enjoyed it, too. And uh, my, my dark twist was, at one point in time, Milo comments on all the ships that are sunk around the legendary entrance to atlantis and that's they're sunk because there's a giant mechanical lobster crayfish thing (laughs) that destroys vehicles and ships and whatever and then at the end of the movie you know milo stays behind in atlantis well the thing is the power of atlantis is from this like crystal thing and they don't age so like Everybody that is in Atlantis when it sank to the bottom of the ocean is still the same people from Atlantis from before it sank in the ocean. So you're like, okay. So Megan said, so what's going to happen to Milo? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, is he just going to die? I was like, that's kind of morbid. She's like, so in in like 60 years, 50 or 60 years, is she going to get a new husband? And, uh, my comment was, oh, my God. So here's my dark twist on Atlantis. What if every hundred years or so, the Atlanteans actually sink a ship nearby and quote-unquote rescue the crew where one of the crew members quote-unquote falls in love with the princess and that's how they keep their bloodline fresh. So... The Atlanteans actually sink ships, capture the crew, and force one of the crewmates to be the new king slash prince. And then when he dies, they just sink another ship and capture another person. Uh, That's a very I, uh, cabin in the woodsy kind of twist, and I am down for it. I'm fine with this. Yeah, and actually, so they, and then I, I kept thinking on it. I was like, they plant. They plant this journal, like the, uh, uh, what is it called? The Whatever, the Explorer's Journal or whatever. Mm-hmm. They plant it somewhere for people to find so that they stem this search for Atlantis. And um, in, in my twisted version, the, uh, the guy that funds the whole trip, the kooky little man with the mustache, mm-hmm. he actually knows about it. And he's the one cool. who keeps sending, he's Atlantean. And he keeps sending crews to their death. I was going to say, there's, there's got to, well, not, it's, it's dark twist. So he's not Atlantean. He just wants to be the next one to, that they let in. So oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's like Renfield to Dracula. They just keep stringing him along. Uh, no, 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 no. The next one we'll get to in. We'll get to the problem. The, the next one. 
Yeah, so he just lives in constant anticipation of the Atlantans letting him in. Yes. So that is my nice. That was my dark twist on Atlantis. So I like it. Yeah, it was yes. Very uh, Lovecraftian. <laughs> uh, Scott, any thoughts on that one? Well, I've never seen Treasure Planet. No, 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 no. <laughs> Journey to Atlantis. Um, I've, I've, I've recently Treasure Planet popped up in my feed as a really great Spelljammer movie. <laughs> so, sorry, that was really funny. Because um, <laughs> they so, came out about the same time, and they're both very under underappreciated. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know how you sink a ship that's in space. Uh, no, way to go, Jay. You broke the, you you broke them. <laughs> but according to the Drake equation, no. Um, <laughs> you see, it all comes back around, kid. Oh man, how do you sink a ship in space? That, actually, we watched Treasure Planet yeah, as well. Space cannons, right, or some stupid shit. Um, oh, uh, you, you know, I mean, I like the idea of them purpose purposefully sinking a ship. And everything, but I'd, I'd kind of wish there was a bit more sinister of a of a consequence there than just making them, you know, king and letting them live out their days. Like, like they 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 sink the ship, and you find out that literally, so they're like like draining their life, so the rest of their days only lasts like six weeks or something, you know. Oh. Well, you okay. said they need their, uh, to propagate the bloodlines. So yeah. yeah. Death by Snoo Snoo? Yes. Snoo Snoo? Watch I, for Futurama, yes. Scott. I, I've Death not seen Snoo Snoo. Yeah, well, I've, I've only seen like a handful of Futurama, and I've not seen Atlantis either. So The yeah, spirit well, is willing, but the flesh is bruised and fudgy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I like that too, Scott. Like, where, you know something happens maybe she's like praying mantis like decapitates them maybe okay okay let's bring words a little bit so maybe the crazy old man who funds the expedition isn't an atlantean like he's not trying to help them he's trying to satiate them because if they don't they'll come to the surface oh yeah like a sacrifice yes like so oh. if, we, if this sacrifice doesn't get made atlantis will rise and they'll kill everyone yeah, that's that's a good one. Where you, yeah, you find out that the guy you know funding the expedition is literally just sacrificing ships uh, to the Atlanteans, and he's part of an organization that's a key. So when he dies, someone else will take his place. I'm literally just just using the cabin in the woods playbook here because <clears throat> that movie is amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that was my Atlantis um, dark twist. I like it. So love it. Scott, what do you got for us? Well, so, you know, when when we first discussed or when Jay first proposed the idea of taking movies that have no dark twists and adding a dark twist to them, you know, mm -hmm, and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, of course, he, he, had, he had mentioned Atlantis and, and everything. And so my mind immediately turned to Disney movies because, you know, Disney movies just in general. Uh, under the Disney banner and the Pixar banner and everything, don't have dark twists because that's not right. what they're, they're very wholesome movies. They're very well, wholesome. They're 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 rife for this topic. And and the irony is, <laughs> a lot of them are based on you know 
Grimm's fairy tales. Yes. Which are inherently gruesome <laughs> yes. and violent. Yes. But then Disney, you know, cleans them up. So now we're going to dirty them back up again. We're dirty them back up, but in a hopefully much more twisted way. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. I actually went with Wally. Uh oh. Ooh. Oh, first boy. of all, fantastic movie. Yes. I love that movie. I, I had a, In fact, uh, this is the second time I brought Wally up on the show. Uh, the first time, if you remember, I don't know if you remember or not, it's been a while, it's been several years. The first time I brought Wally up on the show was the post-apocalyptic world you'd most want to live in. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Who, who wouldn't want to live on a spaceship where your every need is taken care of by robots and all you have to do is sit around on a floaty chair and eat, drink, and watch TV? I mean, why would you ever live in Mad Max when you have the world of Wally? It just makes no sense. Um, but, you know, so basically, uh, you know, of course, obviously, it's a, it's, it's a thinly veiled, you know, uh, movie against consumerism and corporate greed and everything. But uh, Earth has been turned into a garbage-strewn wasteland. Um, and humanity has left amongst the stars, basically leaving behind an entire, excuse me, uh, planet of robots called Waste Allocation Load Lifters, Earth Class, or Wall E's, which are trash compacting robots to clean up the planet, right? Uh, so you fast forward 700 years, the last functioning robot is doing his thing when this probe lands with this extra vegetation, extraterrestrial vegetation evaluator, or Eve, who is sent back to scan the planet for signs of sustainable life. Uh, Wally is, is smitten and, and decides to show her uh, his one of his prized possessions, which is a, a, a little seedling, a little plant, which, of course, triggers her, because that's what she's looking for, because she's supposed to take that back to the ship, you know, uh, so that the computer there can say, hey, there's life on Earth again. Which seems pretty pretty premature in my opinion. You know, you got one seedling. Ooh, but anyway, it's neither here nor there. I didn't program the computer. Uh, and and trigger the jump back to Earth, right? And of course, Wally goes because he's going after Eve and hijinks ensue, and you've got the whole rom com, you know, thing going on there. But what if there's something more sinister going on behind the scenes? Right? Well, so more sinister than the actual sinister subplot yes more okay. sinister okay. more sinister than that because because the, the, you've got the sinister subplot of the fact that uh, uh what is it the computer or whatever that one robot doesn't doesn't want humans the autopilot, the autopilot doesn't want to trigger because the autopilot knows figures out what's going on the autopilot is the hero of the story actually okay the autopilot and wally is the hero of the story wally is the villain. Because Wally has a directive, and that is to protect Earth and sustain life and restore Earth to a sustainable environment. And Wally knows that the biggest threat to that is humans. So he manufactures the plant, he nurtures the plant, he creates it, waiting for Eve to show up so that he can show this to Eve, specifically so that he can trigger humans to come back to the planet specifically so that he can compact and harvest the human race, thus ensuring that they will not trash the planet again. If you could see my face right now, Scott. 
that is a dark twist. <laughs> when you said compact the human race, I'm like, oh my god. Yes. Yes. Not little Wally. Yes. Yes. Oh. I'm pretty sure he just wanted to hold Eve's hand and have nope. a tap dance. Nope. 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 He's gonna come. It's been a while since I've watched the movie, nope. so nope. nope. His goal <laughs> oh, is to take god. every human compact and squish them into a little squishy meat cube and shove them out of an airlock. Oh God! The autopilot is that what's going on and has to stop him. The autopilot is the hero of this story. This is awful. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> I love it. It's so, awful. I love it. What if not every human could leave the planet and some had to stay behind because we only had so many ships, and and then Wally's sinisterness triggered in. So somewhere amongst his skyscrapers of compacted garbage cubes is the skyscraper of compacted human cubes. Yes. Oh. Oh, yes. That are the, the last remnants of humans on Earth. Yes. And then there's there's a group of freedom fighters fighting against Wally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But they, they, but they were those... out exploring and they uh, space and they 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 accidentally stumbled across this. They were they were like rangers, but in space, like uh, space, space rangers. There you go. And then, well, but Wally brings in the the Wall well, Aids. Well, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. So that's you know, that, the Wall that's Aids the, from the. He no. sounds out a beacon for help, and, no, no, and Zerg shows up. That's the sequel. No, that's the, oh, that's the sequel. That's what happens when Buzz gets the people back to Earth. Sorry, sorry, I was plugged into last what? week's crossover episode. Sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Darkest <laughs> dark twist to John's right with his space oh, okay. ranger. I'm gonna dark twist that one. Right? Are you ready for this? Hit me. Okay. He Buzz is about to take out uh, Wally, right? Mm-hmm. With and his blinky light. Yep. Okay, I, and I'm going to bring in something Scott said. So this is like a triple crossover. <laughs> so get ready. Okay. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Buzz, Buzz, and the other Space Rangers hotwire a Wally. You know okay. the giant axe the big ones. ones. Mm-hmm. And they're cruising out through the desert wastelands. And Buzz grabs Wally, and you know, they're like in fisticuffs, and he grabs Wally, and he turns to his other space rangers, and he just yells, Wetness me! And jumps off the Wally into the oblivion. You Wally. forgot the point where he gets high on chrome first, Jay. Chrome, yeah, he's going to get high on the chrome paint first, yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Did not see Mad Max Fury Road showing up in here, but okay. <laughs> Just a happy little Disney movie, and then Jay throws in Mad Max. Jeez. Oh God. I get this image of Wally with just like See? shards of metal welded onto him to make him spike. Like Johnny Five and then uh, Short Circuit Two, when yeah. he goes all punk. Well, see, now now I really want. I've been here recently. I've been playing around with AI generated art because it's fun. Uh-oh. Now I want to see if I can use AI generated art to come up with a Mad Max Wally crossover. <laughs> I look forward to seeing your results. You need to have um uh, you need to have Eve strapped to the front of the vehicle like Max. Well, Max I, I would I, I would agree with you, but AI generated art is isn't not isn't that specific. Quite, not okay. quite that specific. That's fair. So, like I said, I've been playing around with it. It's basically so you're 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 using a, some sort of a specific algorithm, you know, to basically take your 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 prompts that you put in, spit out what you're wanting. I can AI generated art right now. To you know, let's say Jay, you're trying to explain to an artist, like an actual accomplished artist, what you want to see, 
right? Yes. Like you have this idea in your head and you're trying to explain it so the artist can draw it, right? Right. But you can only communicate to them underwater. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That, that's that's what AI-generated art is. Nice. Uh, but yeah, Scott, that was out of left field. Yeah. I love it. That yep. is, the meat cubes get it's getting weird with it. <laughs> just uh, yes. Yeah, so also, yeah, while you're doing AI generated art, I need a meat meat human meat cube castle, please. Human, human meat cube skyscraper. Yeah, skyscraper. I castle. <laughs> I want to see human the Sears Tower cube. made out of meat human meat cubes. <laughs> can, can that be the title? Is that the title of this week's episode? Human. It meat might cubes. be <laughs> human meat cubes. That's it until it dies or we find somebody better. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm going to keep the Disney train going then. Okay. Um, this is maybe not the most original, but when I was trying to work my mind to put a dark twist on something, my, my mind went, okay, we'll take something that's like wholesome and innocent and, and find a way to screw that up. Uh, and I also went Disney, uh, but this is it, it, this property isn't inherently Disney, but Disney has a version of it. Literally, I was just scanning my, my movie collection to, to come up with something and then popped out. Um, so... Peter Pan, we all love oh, no. Peter Pan. He goes to fly off to Neverland and fight pirates and be young forever and hang out with the Lost Boys and, depending on the era in which it's made, hang out with the Indians that may be problematic in the, the century you're in. Um, so w- w- I started thinking about this. I'm okay, Neverland. Okay, it's this perfect, like, you know, jungle utopia kind of thing and everyone's just having fun and. There doesn't seem to be any real consequences to anything. And then, then it, it kind of got into some lost territory. And then it just kind of hit me. What if Neverland is just the afterlife? Ah, and nice. the darlings aren't actually siblings. They're just in a, a really nice hospital for kids. And they're all dead now. Yeah. And nice. Peter Pan figuring them to Neverland is just him taking them to the underworld. Uh, and then I was like, okay, okay. Why are the pirates there? Well, let me explain while the pirates are there. Uh, they're in hell. Oh. They are being punished ah. because they all hated children, and now they're stuck in a land ruled by children, oh. uh, doomed to forever uh-huh. fight the Lost Boys. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. I've got <laughs> so one I've better. Got okay. I got something better. Better than dead kids? I like the scope. No, 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 no. I'm okay. loving where you're going with the dead kids. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Loving the dead kids here. Um. No, so yeah, Peter Pan ferries them to the afterlife. I'm actually going to take a little bit of a little bit of a seed from Pirates of the Caribbean here. So it, what if, what if, okay? So the whole thing is, so we go to the. It's it's not the afterlife, okay? Neverland is not the afterlife. It's kind of like a purgatory type type of thing where Peter Pan would take them, okay, okay, to where they would be ferried across the River Styx on what we know is the pirate ship. However. Captain Hook overthrew the ship, and now the ship is no longer serving its function. Oh, and Rod is stuck yeah. in Neverland, and so everybody is stuck in Neverland, and 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 Peter Pan is leading a resistance of the souls that he harnesses to retake command of the ship to get the river, the 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 ferry across the river sh- sticks running again. Wow. I like how we keep finding ways to work in uh, plucky young rebellions. In all of those 
We can't be completely hopeless. We gotta have a little bit of hope, okay? We watch have Star little... Wars too much as kids. Well, well, it's not only that. It's just, it's just, it's just part of the archetypical hero hero's journey. We gotta, you know. Jeez. <laughs> but yeah, so so yeah, so so uh, Captain Hook, yeah, uh, you know, so quote unquote quote unquote Captain Hook, you know. Uh, like I said, somehow or another, he overthrew uh, the captain of the 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 ferry uh, of death. Chiron. Basically, he defeated death. He did not want to die, so he defeated death. Okay. Or did he? That, well, no, no, that's the crocodile. I was just gonna say, death is the crocodile. Death is Constantly the crocodile. Hunting him. Yes. Yes. That's taunting him, which is why you have the clock, because it, it, it reminds him that time is still ticking down. Because death got a piece of him, but not the whole thing. Death got a piece of him, like, I'm coming back, you little bastard. You can't get away this from is, me forever. This is much darker than I thought it was going to turn out. This is really... <laughs> oh, we went there. Uh, yeah. Don't forget, this started with dead kids, you know, <laughs> and we're just going darker. <laughs> Listen, I don't... I, 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 I like the way this is going, because I just want to keep it rolling. With the same mm-hmm. theme, but I'm gonna change the tune. Okay. Sort of the same jingle, but I'm gonna change the tune. Are you ready for this? Okay. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. Say okay. it. Okay. Field of Dreams. Uh huh. Okay. But but Kevin Costner is the Grim Reaper, and Shoeless Joe Jackson was the Grim Reaper, and he's building the baseball field as the new way to ferry souls from so this all, plane to the so next. So all the people at the end are actually dead? Yes. And his mm. whole family is dead. The mm. reason, and the only reason they can see the baseball players is because they're all dead. So basically, Kevin Costner, under the weight of massive debt, killed his family and committed suicide right at yes. the beginning of the film. Yes. And that's when the baseball field gets made. Yes. Like we open immediately after his suicide, and yes. and 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 he he finds himself on the tractor, hearing the voice, "If you build it, he will come." Yes. And the entire story is the passing of the torch from one grim reaper to the next. Yes. And at the end, all the cars, and when his daughter says, uh, "People will come," it's because it's because they have no choice. They're dead. They have no choice. They're dead. They're coming. That's why the, the brother can suddenly see the kids after the after uh, or see yeah. the baseball players after the the kid chokes on the hot dog. Yes, because yeah. he all they all choked on hot dogs. Oh fuck, that's dark. I love it. <laughs> I love it, it. It does put that scene at the end that flyover with all the cards coming like that makes that really fucked up. And then yes. and then the reason the reason that Ray keeps saying well, they keep saying is this heaven and he says no it's Iowa. And then at the end, when he says, is this heaven? And he says, yeah, I think it is. Oh, because it is. It is. Or yeah. is it? Well, yeah. And, the, and he's it's playing his catch. version. Well, it's his version, yeah, of, yes. Yeah, and so, yeah, so he just keeps everybody in his version of heaven, which is Iowa. Yes, yes. Oh, and God, this dark. He just keeps bringing people to the field. Oh, I love that. I love it. God, I love it. That is beautiful. That is but yes, beautiful. you, you hit the nail on the head, Scott, that yes, he, under crippling debt from his yes. failure as a farmer, yes, commits double homicide and suicide. Yes. 
and kills his family and himself, and we open with him building the field because well, Shoeless Joe is well, well, yeah. We build it right after he commits yeah. suicide, like yeah. it's boom, you know. And now he's in the after, so he's in the afterlife the entire time. Oh, and the mother, like the mother-in-law, isn't really his mother-in-law, but she's like breaking the arterial plane as like a. Uh, uh, what the hell? What am I trying to think of? Like a psychic type person. And she's like, you know, this isn't funny because yeah. like she, yeah. she's a, she's alive and she's trying right. to reach him. Yes. She's trying to break him out of this delusion and get him to pass and to move on because he's haunting the farm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Until he finally becomes the Grim Reaper. Oh. Yes. yes, he's haunting the farm, and she wants to get rid of the ghost so she can put it back on the market. But she just goes ahead and in in and sells well, the house anyway. And then new people move in, well, and then Kevin Costner's is like, "How do I get rid of these people?" And then Beetlejuice. No, 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 no. Yes. no we, I'm so betting we, over backwards to so getting Beetlejuice. That's why, no, that's no, why no, no, he no. kills the brother. He no, kills no, the brother because no, the brother was no. gonna. Okay, sorry. No, no, no. no hang on. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on. We're getting a little off track here. Okay, we're getting very right. off track. That's the point. No, no, no. We're getting a little off track, just a little, because okay. she's she's the psychic, right? Yeah. You know, yes. That is trying to break through the ethereal plane. Sorry, sorry. Not arthurial. My bad. You know, I teach. You. I was going to work okay. in a whole sword in the stone angle in a second. You, Are we not doing arthurial? Okay. No. Ethereal God, is the word he was looking for. You non-English speaking heathen. You. He I, teaches I, math. I, I teach math. <laughs> he could express it to you in an equation, but he can't write it. <laughs> but so she's the psychic brought in to try and break the art. The, the you got me saying the ethereal plane. <laughs> plane. Um, the ethereal plane of Alpha Eddy Six. Alpha Eddy Six. <laughs> because Alpha because he's because he's haunting the farm, right? Right. But she's not. So she's brought in by the the brother-in-law. Because okay. he inherited the farm after the murder homicide or the murder suicide. Okay. So so you know blah blah blah. So he's there. He's trying to sell the farm uh, and everything else like that. But and he's staying at the farm and he's plagued by dreams. So he keeps having these dreams, and so he brings the psychic in, you know, to to try and help him and everything. And she's helping. And then ultimately, uh, eventually, he has to die because that's when he sees the baseball field. Uh, and everything, obviously. Yeah, he chokes on a hot dog. That's what I yeah. was saying. Yeah, he chokes on a hot dog. It's it's cool. it's just a freak accident. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say the ghost of like Kevin Costner taking the reins as the Grim Reaper. The brother-in-law is his first victim. Oh, reaping. God, yes, nice, nice. Yes, I love it. <laughs> and that's when the brother's like, "When did these baseball players get here?" And Ray's just like, "You're one of us now." God, fuck yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. It is a wonderful story. I got a field pick. of souls. Field of souls. A uh, field of ashen dreams. What? Uh, the field of what dreams may come? Oh, <laughs> oh God. Wow. <laughs> Good thing Shakespeare is not copyright. Good thing. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so that's that's my second dark twist. I hope you liked that one. Very nice. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the riffing on them too. So keep it coming. Uh, I got I got to text this to Millie James because he, he <laughs> this. Uh, 
the field. Hang on. Hmm. Wait, wait. Uh, field of what dreams may come. Okay. To be cool. honest, you don't use the scythe to to take down corn anymore. <sighs> well, oh. yeah, but it's, it's a modern day reaper. He's got a tractor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a field of meat cube dreams. <laughs> There's a title. <laughs> Field of Meat Cube Dreams. Oh, yeah. That's our new title for the episode. Uh, Scott, what do you got? I love it. Um, Well, you know, I I had something a little similar. It wasn't fully fleshed out or anything. Um, We can help. We'll help. We'll help. We'll help. We'll help. But but, but I I feel like the, the, the Field of Meat Cube Dreams uh now has literally just taken the gold on this okay um because i was thinking i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna keep with the disney pixar thing because it's okay. working um I, I had thought about toy story and once again this wasn't fully fleshed out i was just just had it in the back of my head before i squirreled onto the wally story mm-hmm. um but i i was thinking about toy story right mm-hmm. you know and like, what if what if you find out at the end that like um, the toys in Toy Story are like trapped souls of dead dead people? Like they get reincarnated as toys, or they're trapped as toys, or they have to come back as toys until they finish their like a purgatory kind of a thing. You know, like you find out they're here on Earth to 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 do something. Like they they they've got a debt that they owe, so they have to spend their time as toys. They're in oh. purgatory. That's why Andy's room yeah. has the clouds because it's heaven. And if you're yeah. a bad toy, you end up in Sid's yard, which is hell. Yeah. Well, yes and no. Well, uh, yeah, and then you know because you got the whole thing where they rescue the toys from hell. Mm-hmm. Oh. So mm-hmm. yeah. I have a dark twist for you, Scott. All right, go okay. for it. Yeah, I'm gonna again, dark twist a, your dark twist. That's fine. This was just a kind of a core twist idea. Twist it. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Pop it. Pull he it. Gets, he gets Buzz Lightyear right after his dad passed away, and Buzz is Andy's dad. Buzz. I thought Woody was supposed to be Andy's dad. Well, Buzz is because he forgets everything. That's like when he was reincarnated, he's reset. He's factory reset to zero. So, well, so, so was it established in the movie that, that the, the birthday party where he gets Buzz Lightyear is on like right on the heels of his dad's passing? No, there's no concrete evidence for what happened to his dad at all. So you can riff whatever you want. Okay. So So that would be my, okay. Gotcha. Yes. That would be my, his dad passed away. Ooh. That gift was from his dad. It was a hot Christmas toy, and he had to go on a crazy adventure with Sinbad <laughs> to get a turbo. I mean, to get a Buzz Lightyear. And in the that, process, uh, he somehow ended up in a full Buzz Lightyear costume with working jetpack in the Macy's Day Parade, and it went terribly wrong, and he died. Yeah. Ooh. Well, and and also, so, and this is something else that bugs me about Toy Story. Okay? Okay. Uh, As as much as I love Toy Story, this is an aspect of the thing that that bugs me. And if we kept going off of this, so let's do say, 
so let's say that uh, Andy gets Buzz Lightyear on you know his birthday, uh, right after his dad passes away, right? Okay. Uh, say within a, a month or so or whatever, like pretty pretty right. quick, right? Um, and so you know, he, before that, you know, he and his dad used to watch the Buzz Lightyear cartoon and all that good stuff. It's kind of like a father son bonding thing. Uh, and so his dad comes back as Buzz Lightyear, right? You know, his dad's kind of an uber nerd. What if his dad was an engineer, you know? And so his only way of dealing with this new reality he finds himself in is to embrace the character and to try and analyze and, and be very blah, blah, blah. Because, because everybody else, every other toy in the universe knows they're a toy, like instinctually. Like they don't yeah. have to learn it. But Buzz Lightyear doesn't. And, and 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 obviously, you know, in the movie, it's for comedic value and stuff. But it always bugged me that Buzz Lightyear, for whatever reason, was different than the other toys. So this is why it's different. So it's literally his father in, in reincarnated as a toy, you know, uh, you know, in, in purgatory, um, and and he's forced to to be with his son, but he can never interact with his son. Because every time his son Ooh. is in the room, he's he has to play he, dead. He has to play dead. Like he is, he is driven by this 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 otherworldly urge, this this other thing that takes over that that deanimates him when 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 um, Andy is in the room. Like he can't help himself. Like literally, what if if we if we were doing a dark version of the movie? Mm-hmm. Like literally, the the first time Andy walks in and Buzz and Woody fall to the ground. Or the fall to the bed or whatever, wherever they were at the time. Um, and, and we cut to like what Buzz is thinking and he's screaming at Andy, Hey, it's me, it's dad, it's hey, blah, 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 blah. But he can't physically respond. Like he's in like some sort of uh, stasis, like, uh, like a paralyzed. Yeah, state. yeah, completely mm-hmm. paralyzed. Yeah. God, that's dark too. I'm really enjoying this whole Disney by way of the Twilight Zone thing we're in. <laughs> We bring you tonight the story of a man. <laughs> a man trapped in a toy. Trying to cross the arterial plane. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to cross the arterial plane to get to SETI Alpha 6, the closest star to Earth. Uh-oh. Fact he check me out. find the sword in the stone. <laughs> Witness yeah, him. Because uh, no, I, shiny I, and chrome. <laughs> I like it because the next thing on my list is also a Disney Pixar movie. <laughs> oh, keep it rolling. Let's hear Hold on. it. Now, okay, this is not just coming from me. Uh, and I know I'm not the first person who's had this same connection. Um, so I started thinking about again Disney stuff. And then that led me to Pixar stuff. And then I was thinking, okay, well, what are some things that like at the surface aren't really dark or creepy, but like the more you kind of think about it, there's kind of a weird sinister undertone that is like we just, we just don't talk about and that led me to um my least favorite of the pixar series cars because if you look at the world of cars clearly at some point there were humans because like they have door handles on their doors and like you know they they run on gas and like if they were just fully sentient beings they wouldn't have these things but they do so where are the people in the cars universe? And I know I'm not the only person who's had theories like this. In fact, 
I'm going to read you one from Jay Ward, an executive at Pixar. Okay. If you think about this, we have autonomous car technology coming in right now. It's getting to the point where you can sit back in a car and it drives itself. Imagine in the near, sorry, imagine in the near future when cars keep getting smarter and smarter. And after one day, they just go, why do we need human beings at all? They're just slowing us down. It's just extra weight. Let's get rid of them. But the car takes on the personality of the last person who drove it. Whoa, there you go. That's a direct quote from an executive at Pixar. Wow. You'll never see the doors open. This is another quote. You'll never see the doors open, dot, 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 because the brain and eyes are in there and we don't want anything falling out. That's direct from Pixar. So what if... So at some point... yeah, the cars just overthrew humanity and kept evolving See, uh, into being autonomous vehicles. Well, so, okay. oh, so sorry, Scott. So, sorry, uh, sorry. Um, I always saw Pixar because I was always curious about this as well, as far as like where are the humans, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Why, are, why are cars sentient, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I always just kind of saw it as an extension of uh, maximum overdrive. See, that's where I was going. There's there's other theories about that, too. But I wanted okay. to go with the one that was direct from a, a Pixar employee. <laughs> All right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I've, so I've got your dark part of that twist, John. Okay. So, you know, he said they take on the personality of the last person that drove it. Mm-hmm. That's because at some point in time they became sentient, right? Mm-hmm. And then when the person got in the car, they wouldn't let them out of the car and they absorbed them. So the person literally became part of the car. Like I like it. Like the like the great pit of Starcoon. Okay. So okay. So basically the, the small plucky band of rebels. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that to come back around again. <laughs> That are that are rebelling, you know, again that are holding humanity, the, the last bastion of human civilization against the cars. Uh, they have found out that what you have to do is you have to get onto the car, you have to get into the car, and you have to extract, salt, and burn the human remains that are in the car to oh. kill the car. We're gonna like, Winchester this fucker. We're gonna Winchester the fuck out of this shit. <laughs> The last, this plucky band of rebels. <laughs> last humans. Led by Emilio Estevez. <laughs> and a rocket launcher. And the lady who does the voice of Bart Simpson. Or Lisa Simpson. <clears throat> oh, oh, sorry. That was, uh, I got a weird, weird connection static on my mic here. Uh, it sounded like a, it sounded like an 8-bit explosion. Well, that was completely by design. Yeah. Scott was actually calling from inside his car and it just took him over. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, no. Scott car. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I've heard that theory before, too, that like it's yeah, on the personality of the last <laughs> person that drove it. And, and there were definitely theories that got like the more um, uh, maximum overdrive, you know, mutated. Like people have gone on so far to like, if you open up the doors, here's what it would look like inside. Uh, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and through, you know, telling me down that rabbit hole, I was like, 
there's literally a Disney or a, a Pixar employee talking about this and not just like, oh, no, that's weird. We wouldn't do that. But like they've clearly thought about this and had discussions about it around the Pixar table. Yes. So oh. I went with that one. <clears throat> Love it. Yeah. Again, I don't claim that to be an original idea, but uh, it was too good not to pull up. Because <clears throat> again, oh. it's just, it's just yeah. under the surface. Yes. One question sends you off down this spiraling rabbit hole. <laughs> what happened to the people? Uh, nice. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna delve us into the world of rom coms. Okay. Uh, one of with one of my personal favorites, Sleepless in Seattle. Okay. Hey. If you're not familiar with Sleepless in Seattle, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, guy's wife dies. He's got a son. Calls into a radio show. A woman on the other side of the country. So he's in Seattle. Woman on the other side of the country hears it in the radio show. Begins a communication with him. Who turns out that she's actually communicating with the son. So on and so forth. And big, big like lovey-dovey ending. They meet at the top of the Empire State Building on Valentine's Day. Okay? All right. So... Sleepless in Seattle, right? Mm -hmm. But the character of Annie is suffering from a type of depression from losing her child in some sort of tragic accident. So she puts on a ruse that she's trying to find love and somehow knows that Tom Hanks's son in the movie is going to come to New York. And so at the end of the movie, instead of Tom Hanks coming off the elevator, it's Annie. And the kid says, are you Annie? And she says, yes. And takes his hand and they go back down the elevator. And then Tom Hanks shows up on the next elevator and only finds his son's book bag. See, it's more sinister if she's catfishing the kid because she's looking for a kid to kidnap. That's that's what I was just, uh, yeah. Like, not just somehow knows he's going to be there, but, like, she's lured him there. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was going for, but, yeah. You said somehow knows he's there, so. Okay, yes, you're you're right, you're right, John. Catfish is the kid to come. I, you're right, that is more sinister. But that was my... So the, the call-in show is not about being sleepless in Seattle. Or maybe you can still call sleepless in Seattle, but she lives in Seattle now. And she, the call-in show is not about his dad having trouble finding, you know, dealing with the passing on of his wife. It's, it's her talking about dealing with the passing on of her child. And that's where the, she uses that as a ruse to get kids to send her emails or whatever. Uh, and that's how she finds her next victim. Oof. And, so anytime and, she needs a new kid, she just calls the radio show up again. And then just waits. So what happens to the other kid when they get too old and they're no longer her kid? Puts them in a barrel and sinks them to the bottom of the Pacific. Mm, a little, little too quick. I was thinking, I was, I was hoping for something a little more gruesome. Come on, Jay, more get darker gruesome. with it. More gruesome than that? Yeah, yeah. Go with, go with, yeah, let's, let's get a little more gruesome. Let's get a little more darker than that. Put on your okay. Twilight Zone um, Tales from the Crypt hat here. See. She takes them on a quote-unquote fishing trip, but uses them as bait. No, because see, the twist is she actually kills her child. 
Oh, yeah. And yeah. she's just, every time she kidnaps a new kid, she's trying to force them to be that child again. Yeah. And they well, either they either resist and get killed off in the barrel or they go along with it long enough until they've outgrown her mental image of what her kid looks like. And then she kills him again. Well, because because in reality, she actually suffers from Munchausen syndrome by proxy. And so she's slowly poisoning her kid. Or something, yeah. Kid with with yeah. quotes. So the, the 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 from the point that she gets her quote unquote kid, they get sick, and she does the whole Make a Wish Foundation and stuff or something. Not maybe not quite that publicity because that would get suspicious. But you know what I'm saying, local charities or whatever. Or she relocates every time to a different place so that she won't do it. That way she can slowly poison the child. Until the child dies and she gets all that she 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 sucks in all that she can for you know for her Munchausen Ooh. by proxy and then relocates to a new town and starts the yeah. process all she's, over. She, we call it sleepless she in thinks, Seattle, but she's also been sleepless in Cincinnati and sleepless in wherever. Yeah. She fakes her own death as well, so that there's no connections left at the previous place she was living. Ah, <sighs> yes. We need help. <laughs> but then a, a plucky group of officers in the FBI. No, no, a plucky group of kids who got away. Notice the, the formed a resistance <laughs> to track her down. No, the siblings, the siblings oh. of some of her victims. There you go. There you go. Yeah, a plucky group of siblings. The sibling squad. Rebel alliance. Wait. <laughs> Wolfman's got nards. He sure <laughs> does. And don't you forget it. Uh, 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 yeah. Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, that was I, want a, I want a whole sleepless series now where it's just, yeah. Yeah. Like like the Saw movies. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I like, see, I like that we, we like, I start it. And then you guys just make it darker and twistier, and it's like sleepless cereal. Oh. <laughs> Have your medicine, little Andy. I'll give you buzz soon. Oh boy. Ah, <laughs> <coughs> uh, yeah. Got you. Got to. In all honesty, uh, I'm sorry, but Wally. And and Toy Story were the only two that I could come up that I had in my head at the time. So that's okay. Uh, if you all got more, I'm fine with riffing off of those. I know I have at least one more, John. I don't know what you have, but I'm saying uh, what would I consider my favorite one for last. So am I. Um. So I've got I've got two, uh, but I'm saving saving one of them for last because I just I want to hear Scott's thoughts on it. All right, it well, also it also doesn't quite fit the template. Uh, so it's going to break the template and get outside that a little bit. But um, uh, well, go I'm, ahead, John. Want to go, Jay? Another okay. One. All right. Yeah. So got this one. This one will be quick because this is more of a another like kind of like with cars, sort of like it's just an alternate reading on the movie that makes it so much darker. And this movie itself is already very macabre. Uh, I'm talking about the Adams Family from 1991. Okay. So the plot briefly synopsized is um, Uncle Fester's missing. 
and some people figure that the Adams have this very you know, hidden treasure, and they're looking for their lost brother. So they get a con man to come pretend to be Fester and try to find the treasure. And then hijinks happen. And then at the end of the movie, he gets hit on the head and realizes he really is Fester. He just lost all his memories. So yay, happy ending. That doesn't feel Adam's family enough. So some people have gone through. And this is a theory they've proposed that I'm going to steal. This is I'm stealing a theory from Reddit. Uncle Fester is actually dead. And what we're witnessing are the Adams and a long, uh, not necessarily con, but a, a long plan to resurrect Uncle Fester. So at the beginning of the film, um, we see like a, a, a seance thing. Wednesday um, is, is, or they say something, there's a line where they talk about, uh, you know, we've tried to contact Uncle Fester so many times and every year we hear nothing. Well, they've finally reached him. They just don't realize it. Because later on, shortly after that scene, uh, the Dan, I think it's Dan Hedaya character, is walking through the and sees the picture of uh, Fester and starts putting two and two together. But when he does that, a candle goes out. That's the soul of Fester coming back. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So it begins with the failed quote unquote uh, seance, which actually succeeds. Um, later on in the movie, Wednesday offers a ransom uh, to Fester. Um, Right as uh, the fake Fester knocks on the door, she's making a you know a, a deal to to bargain <clears throat> um, to get Fester back, and then physical con man Fester walks in. So then the hijinks and Susan happens. The same thing stuff happens. But what we're witnessing is act. It's not Fester regaining his memories. It's the soul of dead Fester possessing the fake Fester. Because at the end of the movie, uh, the two con people, uh, Tully and uh craven i wrote down their names because i didn't have time to rewatch the movie they're flung out of the house and they land in two open graves and yep. standing beside the graves we see wednesday and pugsley with 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 uh shovels shovels yeah because they're because they're ready to complete the deal that's the deal they made they'll give the, the, the whoever two souls to get uncle fester's back yeah uh, i like that i love it that's good and it's one of those, like, how do you make the Adams family more macabre? I'm like, here, right here. Oh, yeah. God, yes. I see now I want to re- rewatch that with that as my headcanon. Yeah, yeah, that is just awesome. And I'm it feels gonna... so much more Adams family. It yeah. does. Well, I don't know if it feels more Adams family because Adams family has always been. Uh, Adams at their heart are, are macabre, but they're ultimately harmless. It feels like Adam's family meets House of a Thousand Corpses is what it feels yeah. like. Mm, that, that's giving Rob Zombie to Rob it. Zombie's Adam's family. Now that yeah. I've said that out loud, I'm sorry because somewhere out there the universe <laughs> heard that and thought it's a good idea. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. When he's well, not ruining monsters, he's going to ruin the Adam's family. Well, I like, yeah, I like well, that. Yeah, once again, we're already getting Rob Zombie monsters. It's just inevitable that we're going to get Rob Zombie Adam's family. It's like, that's like the next progression. That's what he's doing next. We know that. He knows that. Everybody knows that. So, but I, I do like that one, John. That's good. Yeah, that, that, that's a good one. Um, Thank you. And again, it, uh, yeah. Reddit gets your credit for that one. I just so I was like, oh, that's good. We got to bring that up. Yeah, right. and it, it's not until, yeah, it's not until the lightning strike, right, that that fully integrates the 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 the, the where the the the, yeah. the Esther soul is able to fully take control of the body. 
Yep. Maybe that's what the lightning strike is, is him taking full control of the body. Well, I mean, the, the we've already established the soul is kind of possessing and it's there a little bit because yeah. there's stuff going on, but it's not fully in control. It's not fully integrated. There's still the, the original soul is still in control. It has uh, to. Yeah. The lightning kills the original soul so that Fester's soul can take over. The lightning is the original soul being taken. So it's not two souls for one trade. It's a three souls for one trade. Oh, yeah, it is a three for one. It is a three for because you've got the soul yeah, yeah, yeah. of Faux Fester, yeah. So the lightning is the lightning is not the soul taking full like it's not clicking on. The lightning is killing the original person. It, it, it's like, the harvesting. Yes. It it kills and harvests this it kills the con man and pulls the soul so that Fester's soul can take over the body. Damn, by, dark. by God, I love it. There you go. And that isn't even the best one. That's beautiful. Okay. Or my favorite, I guess I should say. All right. I saved my go favorite ahead, one for last. All right. And John, if this is one that you had, I'm sorry. Jay, I'm if we it. have the same last one, I am going to be shocked. Okay. Um, so you have a, a plucky husband who kind of outdoes himself and ends up getting divorced from his wife and in order to see his children dresses up as a woman <laughs> as a housemaid to see his children okay of course i'm talking about mrs doubtfire yeah but wait there's more the husband never actually does it the husband okay. gets the divorce and just leaves. Okay. The, the Short plucky, movie, okay. The plucky housemaid is actually a serial killer who's hiding from the authorities, and Mrs. Doubtfire is the identity of one of his victims. Well, but then how do you explain the whole B story of this, this movie? And the, and, the, and And the reveal at the end that, you know... When he when he kind of says, "Yeah, it's me." Okay the the whole B story is the kids find out that it is actually a man, not Mrs. Doubtfire, not okay. their dad, right? And he tells them, and it's the two older kids, and he tells them that if they don't keep his secret he will murder the youngest in the most gross, gruesome of ways and make them watch. You got to keep it the dad. The dad's really a serial killer. <laughs> and, he's, I, and he just uses disguises. That's why he's never been caught. It's because he uses a different disguise every time. He, you, you combine him with the makeup artist uh, uh, buddy character. Yeah. He uses a different disguise every time he goes out to kill, yeah. which is why no one's ever fingered him because it's a everything's yeah, a different yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, and, well, and so he uses his makeup skills to get back in with the family until that fucker Pierce Brosnan shows up, and then those urges start to come out again. Oh yeah. Well, because because we'll it, it lends it, it lends itself to the whole you know the 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 whole scene where he shows up at the makeup artist and he says, "I need you to make me a woman." 
because when he says in the movie, in, in just the standard movie, when he says, I need you to make me a woman, and, and uh, Nathan Lane is like, oh, you know, it, it, we interpret that as, you know, oh, you're finally accepting your, you know, uh, alternative self, and I'm so proud. But it's like, no, I've always wanted to, I've always thought it would be great if you were a serial killer woman, because Nathan Lane doesn't know what's going on yet, right? Nathan Lane's not in Mrs. Doubtfire. Is, is that not the makeup guy? You, no, you're you're no, you're confusing not. that with the birdcage. No, the the makeup yeah. guy is the the makeup is guy is isn't no, it the, Nathan Lane. No, it's no, Harvey the, Firestein. Oh, makeup, you're right. I'm sorry. Thank you. You're right. Sorry. He's the guy from Independence Day is what I was yeah. trying to get out before yes. John actually yeah. now yeah. dropped. Sorry, it. I am confusing that with the birdcage. Sorry. Um. Anyway. Um. Anyway, let's just go with Nathan Lane because I like him better. Um, Fine. <laughs> works for me <laughs> but um but yeah so that 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 does really, so yeah so he's a serial killer and and his makeup buddy always disguises him when he when he goes out to do his thing and everything and so he loses his family um not because of you know him losing his job as as a, a, a uh, as a voiceover actor, but because he's always he's he's never around because he's always well serial killing, right? Like like okay. we just see the straw that breaks the camel's back. We don't see all the other stuff that that, that leads up to that. If if that makes sense. Okay. 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 I'm just riffing here. I don't know. Yeah, I, I thought you were going somewhere. Okay. No, sorry. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm literally just trying. I, I was to waiting go. for the other okay. shoe to drop. Right. Sorry. Uh, so he's the dad. Okay, so he is the dad. He's, he's got to be the dad. Yeah, he's got to be the dad. Otherwise, this okay. story doesn't work at all. Uh, I thought it would, but okay. I all right. So the he's. He is the dad. He's a serial killer. He gets disguised as different people. That's why he's never been caught. Um. We don't see, like, we only see a few things as to why he got divorced. We don't know the extent of it. Um, but what if the real reason they got divorced is because the wife hired a private investigator thinking that he was cheating, and the private investigator turns out to be Pierce Brosnan? Okay. And the PI and the PI finds out that he is this serial killer. Right. And by this point, the kids have already learned that it's their dad. They don't know he's a serial killer, but that they know it's dad. So he comes to the kids and says, "Kids, if you want dad to stay, I need your help." And he recruits the kids to help him kill Pierce Brosnan. Yes. And like he's not Pierce Brosnan is not the love interest. Pierce Brosnan is the private detective but he private thinks eye. it's the boyfriend yeah but yeah. he thinks but, it's the boyfriend because the wife plays it off that way and the kids play it off that way thinking because that's what the wife tells that's what the they kids. know yeah yes. yeah but pierce brosnan is there at the end of the movie pierce brosnan's there for the entire movie yeah okay so yeah we're rewriting it so he's dead at the end of the movie oh okay i see so we're not yeah, trying to make it, was... it fit with the movie no 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 no, no. okay no, we're giving it a dark twist our dark twist on our dark twist on Mrs. Doubtfire is that Mrs. Doubtfire is actually yeah. a serial this killer. Is, this is our follow-up to uh, Serial in Seattle. I see. Well, because up till now, everything that we've done has has been in line with the movie that you see. 
Well, like nothing that we've Seattle done thus far retcons the movie that you see. We, we changed just, the end of Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. We changed the end of that? Yes. Because at the end of it, Tom Hanks and uh, Meg Ryan meet on the top of the Empire State Building because he goes up to get his son. Yeah. And she, she goes up after her dinner with Jeff Daniels. Oh, yeah. That's or not right. Jeff Daniels, yeah, Bill yeah. Pullman. Yeah, sorry, I, I missed that part. Yeah, yeah. sorry. That was, but yeah, that... so, no, like, and John, well, he'll get to it. But uh, I think if I remember the one that I think that I remember. But anyway, he, uh, so we can retcon it. Like, it's yeah. fine. It's fine to, so I like that, that, like, if you well, want Daddy so, to stay, you need to help. Well, and, and so, like, the TV show, the, the series Barry, you know, um, even though he's a serial killer in, in, in the, 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 the whole, the whole, uh, aspect of, uh, uh, of adopting the Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, persona, he kind of accidentally stumbles into this whole children's show thing. And he finds out he likes doing the children's show as Mrs. Doubtfire. So he's trying to secure that as well. Hence the the whole thing with the 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 producer of the 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 the, the TV station, yeah, and everything. But they, they don't go from his doubtfire, but they like his backup character, Rainbow Randolph. <laughs> I'm so glad somebody got that reference. So wrong. Love that uh, movie. So do uh, you. You know and, and a plucky group of San Francisco <laughs> cops. <laughs> Oh, but no, that was, and then yeah. So, but do you end up with Pierce Brosnan dying at the end? Oh, of course. That's how the family comes together. Because then the wife walks in, sees that she she thinks he's killed the private investigator, and she freaks out. And then she realizes the entire family did. So if she turns in her husband, she turns in her kids too. So she has to stay complacent with it. Wow. That that's really dark. That's, you're welcome. That's like, that's like dark to the nth degree. You're, you're I welcome. Was, I was gonna say Pierce Brosnan just disappears, just quote unquote oh. disappears. Uh, oh no, Dex, Dexter no. style. That's the family that slays together. <laughs> but the family that slays can't go to the cops that. together. Like, and I just imagine that scene where like the three kids and the dad are all wearing like plastic raincoat ponchos with saws <laughs> and axes. <laughs> It's like, you know, uh, and, imagine American well, Psycho. Well, like and, that and scene. well, and 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 the Mrs. Doubtfire makeup is like because of the exertion is like falling off of the face. It's not adhered anymore. So, so you, it's like half you, on, half off. Well, yeah, half on, half off. You've got this like Mrs. Doubtfire leather face kind of a thing going on There's here. Blood everywhere. And the littlest and one just oh, screaming, "Daddy, ooh. use the chainsaw." Three, here's, okay. <laughs> Yes. The door, the door opens, right? The wife walks in and is like, oh my god, they all stop. And the dad character with his half-on, half-off, leather face, Mrs. Doubtfire, bloody makeup, turns and says, hi, honey, welcome home. <laughs> she slams the door, uh, leather she... face style, faded black cut credits. Now I'm texting uh, like, James, our artist friend, Mrs. <laughs> Doubtfire slash Leatherface. Leatherface. <laughs> Leatherface, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, 
Uh, God, I dig it, Jay. I dig it. Before she slams the door, fade to black, she picks up the chainsaw. Like, that is the moment of, like, no, no. Help. No, 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 no. No, she has to have the chainsaw, or he, she has to have the chainsaw and, like, like slung over her shoulder or just in her hand. Because, like, John, like Obi John said, the youngest one has to say, you know, daddy used the chainsaw. Slam door. Yes. It already Uh, has to be her hand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's it. That's our lead up. She has the chainsaw because she's going to murder her, murder her husband. She's going to murder her. Yes. So the, the little kid husband. doesn't say daddy. The little kid says, mommy, use the chainsaw. Yes. Like, mommy, join us. Yeah. Join uh, us, mommy. Join we're good. us. Mommy, use the chainsaw. Oh, oh, slam. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Rod Serling. Yes. She- Okay, yeah, there we go. So there's Mrs. Right. Doubtfire. My doubt, God bless. Doubt. I, I, you know what? I agree with your earlier. We've gone comment. to a dark place. I, I agree with your earlier comment, Obi John. What is wrong with us? <laughs> we need help. Because uh, I never <laughs> thought this next theory would feel like a refreshing aperitif. Uh, <laughs> if you're still the whole after that, you are listening to this show still. Trust uh, us, we're all perfectly fine. We're all fine. Please don't call anybody. Don't contact anyone. We're all good here. We're all good here. How are you? Fine. We're fine here. We're in conversation anyway. (laughs) I Uh, love. Okay. I'm really curious, especially how uh, Commander Scott is going to feel about this next one. I think his reaction is going to be the same as mine because I'm going to say just the title of this, and I think your reaction will be the same as mine. And then I'm going to explain it a bit. And I think I might. This is one of those things. Like as soon as I read it, I was like, "That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard." And then I read through it, and I was like, "I kind of love this." (laughs) I didn't know I ever wanted this story, but now I kind of want this story, and I kind of want it to be this story. Okay, Scott. Ghostbusters okay. 2. Okay. <clears throat> Vigo the Carpathian is responsible for the rise of Hitler. What? Now hear me out. Okay. Hear me out. I had the same response, Jay. Hear me out. Hold on. Uh, okay, so real quick. I had, this, I had this pulled up. Hold on. Hey, that's fine. So, well, on. While you're getting, real quick, while you're getting those together, so... Vigo the Carpathian, born 1505, died 1610. Before his head died. Okay, hold on. Let me me go. Let me roll. Okay. 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 So, in the movie, when they're doing, when they're investigating Dana's um, um, incident at the beginning of the movie, uh, they mention, hold on. A similar incident happened in Berlin, 1939. A flower cart traveled on its own half a kilometer, witnessed by 300 people. So, but what, what year? 1939. Hold on, Scott. Just let me finish. Okay, now I'm just, just getting stuff in my head. Okay. So, if if that was caused by a similar uh, experience with the mood slime, which, which is linked to Vigo, that would indicate that Vigo had enough juice to move a, a um, flower cart in Berlin in 1939. Well, how did, how did Vigo get to Berlin in 1939? We'll back up. Vigo is Vigo the Carpathian. Okay. Carpathia includes part of what we would now call Vienna. 
Yep, which is awesome. A young Adolf Hitler attended art school in yeah. Vienna. He tried. He was an artist. He, he, he was an artist in Vienna, in Vigo, artist, though he's yeah. no longer physically with us, yeah. is in a painting that we don't know when it was painted. Okay. The movie never tells us when the painting it's was fine. made. We fine. know it comes to the museum. Yeah. We're not even sure where it's coming from. Yeah. We just know it's in. We just know in 1989 it ends up in the New York Museum of Art. Yeah. Yeah. So the theory is that somehow, and I'm not saying Hitler painted it, but we go that way we want to. This painting found a young Adolf Hitler and had yeah. enough juice to kind of like like the One Ring, kind yeah. of corrupt Adolf Hitler yeah. and ride his coattails as he rose to power to yeah. the point where he was just feeding because the slime is created by all the bad vibes, right? And yeah. as the Nazi party rose to power and started, you know, smashing glass in and taking over the Jews and, and just, you know, being Nazis, Vigo was feeding off all that energy yeah. until the Allies stopped. Yeah. So, so first of all, uh, I love this. <laughs> I love this so much. When I, I first mentioned it, were you a little iffy? Well, so I, I'm not a big fan of the insinuation that Hitler painted Vigo because I've seen pictures of, of, of Hitler's artwork and mm-hmm. he's not that good. <laughs> um, Fair. But, but, and, and because, like I said, so, so Vigo was 1505 to 1610. We don't know when the picture was painted, but it has kind of a Baroque style. So let's say sometime in the late 18th, early 19th century, long before Hitler. But I love the idea of a young Adolf Hitler who wants to be an artist uh, studying somewhere because he tries to get into, uh, I think it's, I think it's the the Vienna art school, but don't quote me on that one. I'd have to look that up. Um, And of course he, he, of course he gets, he gets rejected and and everything, but I, I love the idea that in his studies and him wanting to be an artist, I can see a young Adolf Hitler aspiring artist, like working in some facility or whatever where he's around the Vigo painting mm-hmm. and and literally World War two is kind of a a, 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 a a the Nazi party I should say is a, a consequence of his first bid to come back you know like he like you That's said, why he decided like, he needs a child because it's easier to take over than a full-grown man yes. Because so he was he, trying to build Hitler up so he could yes, just take over Hitler's body. Yes, and he's trying to take over Hitler and everything, and he learned his lessons. So coming into 1989, he's like, I need a child. I need a blank slate. All right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. God, I love it. That is so awesome. And see, now I kind of want the origin of the Vigo painting. Yeah. that's. I was just going to say, we need a movie called the rise of vigo where (laughs) it's like who painted it right and they painted it and it's some like crazy dude in austria paints this painting because he's like oh i know he's a he's inspired by where he paints so he goes to wherever the bones are of vigo Like the buzzing of flies, the origins of Vigo. The like he goes to the cemetery or whatever, the crypt. Hold on, hold on. Scott just got triggered. Oh, 
so so 1610 so he so he dies in 1610 uh, right so yeah. that's that's the 17th century uh and everything so what if the artist who painted the the portrait of vigo or whatever right mm-hmm. so what if he comes back and 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 he's you know he's 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 doing his thing what if he uses the remains of vigo so he finds the remains and he uses those he grinds them up and uses them as part of the pigment of the painting. Oh. Because he's like, he's batshit crazy. Because he's batshit crazy. Well, no, 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 not, not batshit crazy. This was Vigo's plan. Vigo was a magician, a madman, a martyr, oh. a butcher, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But part of his flesh or his blood or whatever is used to paint the painting. It was painted by one of his followers who could have been another, you know, sorcerer, magician, whatever. Ooh, he was painted. There you go. It was painted before he actually died yeah it was commissioned by him by him and that's the painting and it's the 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 artist didn't know that by using like and vigo gave him the paints but vigo put his own blood and whatever into the paints so the artist didn't know that's what was going on right yeah kind of like uh kind of like his own version of a uh phylactery yeah or like a what do they call Horcrux. it? Harry Potter, a Horcrux, yeah, yeah, yeah. Phylactery is what, yeah, it's the original term. Yeah. Horcrux is the, right. the 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 Harry Potter ripoff of the the uh, of what a phylactery is. Thank you very yes, much. It's, it's it's the One Ring, yes. Okay, and so then, oh, oh, okay, okay. I, this just hit me too. So okay. Vigo gives him the paint and the appliances to to do it like brushes and stuff okay but the brushes are poisoned and constant use of the brushes slowly seeps the poison into the paint the artist's hand and into his blood system so that the painter like the artist dies without telling anybody that vigo's blood was in the paint or that he painted this picture yeah, so you could almost do an entire story of the the history of the Vigo painting and stuff without ever actually getting to the Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you don't need to tie Ghostbusters into it at all. No, no, no. You need a plucky young group of <laughs> artists of Carpathian artists <laughs> who've had their homes taken from them. All right, Busters. Oh my god. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's not, really and that's why the Carpathian painting is still in the firehouse in Ghostbusters the video game because it can't be destroyed. It can't be destroyed because it is a phylactery. Mm-hmm. It has to be contained. In an, exactly. Uh, not where I thought but, you were going with that, John. Well, but now I have a question. So mm-hmm. this 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 begs the question: mm-hmm. How do we get from the alteration of the painting at the end of Ghostbusters two? The restoration of the Vigo painting in the video game. That is someone else's problem to figure out. <laughs> That's uh, a, because, the problem for a future episode. Get it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I was gonna say because the the magic or like enchantment or whatever you want to call it of the blood of ooh, Vigo's ooh, paint ooh. is I got too it, powerful to hold that painting, like no. the the rem the rendition. I, I, I'm, okay. I'm going to riff off of Jay. So so the reason 
the Vigo painting became the Fettuccine at the end of Ghostbusters 2 is because they had they had yeah with their equipment and this the the positively slime charged taken his soul out of the painting, but it wasn't permanent. Over enough time, his soul re, re, you know came back or whatever, but it's still bound to the painting. So they, if, they don't trap him. They just they just shoot the painting and it he he goes away and it turns into the fettuccine. But that didn't take. That didn't hold. His 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 soul wasn't destroyed yeah, yeah. or so, trapped. So, it so just came back to the painting. Yeah. So the psychomagna theory. So the positively charged psychomagna theory. The slime from the slime blowers. Mm-hmm. Because so the psychomagna slime in the slime blowers was the same slime uh, manifested by Vigo, but mm-hmm. but. But but positively charged by external influences, mm-hmm. mainly Egon sleeping with it. Mm-hmm. Of right? Always the, um, always the quiet ones. Um, uh, basically, it's like a magnet. Think of a magnet. So they spray the painting down with this this reverse charge. Uh, uh slime. Okay. Right, mm-hmm. but. The Vigo presence isn't completely destroyed, and like you said, they don't trap it. So eventually, the positively charged eventually cycles back to the negatively charged, and you re-maintain the status quo. Like, like the painting goes back to normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I dig it. I, I I'm jiggy with it. I love it. So not only are we putting dark twists on Ghostbusters 2, we are <laughs> uh, continuity gap bridging Ghostbusters 2 and Ghostbusters the video game. Yes. Yes, we are. I dig it. What I was just going to say, John, I was surprised you didn't throw out the one that we talked about. Well, <sighs> because I like that one. I like that I do, one. too. And you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll give it an honorable mention. And, and we don't really have to, to, to tweak it. But... Um, so when Jay first threw this out, the first thing that popped in my head, and I'm going to go through this because this is not, again, this is not my idea. Um, this may not, this probably isn't even the idea of the person who pitched it to me, but this pitch comes courtesy of the late, great Ryan Kemp. Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory, but Willy Wonka is a serial killer. Uh, <laughs> no kid is ever pure enough to take over the factory. They just all keep dying in some horrific way. Uh, so when, you know, Augustus Gloop gets stuck inside the pole and gets sent to the incinerator. No, no, no. That motherfucker is incinerated now. Uh, when when Violet eats the whatever and, and turns into a, the everlasting gobstopper or whatever. and, and the blueberry. Yeah, the blue, yeah, and she's stuck like that the rest of her life. That's how she lives uh, until the Oompa Loompas eat her up for dinner because they love a blueberry pie. Because the Oompa Loompas are actually, they're horribly mutated uh, pygmy people that he kidnapped from Africa. Um <laughs> Uh, Wonka is a mad scientist. Uh, he, uh, his his factory isn't there to make candy; it's there to make ways to poison kids to make sure that they're never uh, that they're never pure enough to take over the factory. And the chef's kiss on this whole thing, because it was done as a movie pitch. And again, this is not me; this is Kemp. Willy Wonka is played by Christopher Walken. <laughs> I would love to see Christopher Walken as Willy Wonka. Uh, I I also think if we're if just to add to this a little bit, yeah, yeah, um, 
that he is slowly poisoning poisoning the world with his oh, chocolate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the plan. And that he's he's putting something in the chocolate that makes it addictive, but is also killing people. It's people. Yes. It's he's putting meatball. it's meat cubes. He's putting meat cubes in his chocolate. <laughs> It all comes back to human meat cubes. Yes. Yes. So in in Soylent Green, in the factory that you never get to really see behind the scenes, factory. Is, 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 is Wally, actually a new generation of Wally's under the direction of Christopher Walken, Willy Wonka. They're now called Wonkies. Wonkies, yes. Ooh. <laughs> Oompa Loompa Doopity Deeple Soylent Green is people. It's really the people. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. God, yes. You know what? I'm just going to text my buddy James and say, you know what? I can't, I can't <laughs> just, just listen to this episode. <laughs> I need a Soylent Green, but I need it wrapped in a Wonka bar. <laughs> I <didn't laughs> oh. Shit, uh, I love it. Yeah, um, yeah. So again, that that is not me. That is that is a pitch Ryan Kemp gave me back in the day uh, in the Jimmy on our way. I think to either a comic store or a convention. I don't remember. It might have been both. Uh, but he had the whole thing laid out, uh, and it was just one of those like, just keep going, dude. I want to hear more of this. So. There you go. That's all I got. I'm tapped out, guys. I was just, yeah. I I'd like to know. Yep. I'm gonna go think of what their favorite one was. I'm gonna go snuggle with some puppies and uh, get this evilness out of me. Um, I didn't know I could go that dark. I'm a little scared now. Here we go. Here we go. What was great to be alone with my thoughts now. What was everybody's favorite that wasn't your own? The Sleepless in Seattle one, when you first pitched it, I was like, what the hell is Jay doing? And by the end of it, I was in love with that. I have to go with Field of Dreams. Jay. That was good, too. Uh, uh, the, the whole Field of Dreams, the fact that he's he you know that he kills his family, commits suicide, and the entire story is him basically becoming the new Grim Reaper handing off from Shoeless Joe Jackson. And all the cars at the end. Yeah, that's just that. terrifying. Yeah, for, yeah. For the new, yeah, just, yeah. just having a new. Um, um, I can't think of words now. Context putting putting that whole last yeah. shot into a new context. Yes, makes it creepy as hell. It um, does. For for it, me, it my favorite. Uh, John had some good ones, but if you guys could have seen the look on my face when Scott said Wally is compacting people into meat cubes like my jaw <laughs> literally dropped i was like what <laughs> that is dark <laughs> like because you just i imagine that movie and i just imagine little wally going like wally as he's crushing people and blood is like oozing out from the crevices of the robot eyes body. turn red yes yeah, uh, that's what you need to. Yes, text text him and say you need a Wally that is Wally compacting, but with like super angry eye look. Like yeah, his you know the angry eyebrows, like angry Johnny Five. Yeah, yeah. So, and, but, so 
Yeah, like so, fingers, like fingers and well, hands and like a toe sticking out from. But yeah, yeah. Finger. So yeah. Whoops. So yeah, I hit my mic. Sorry. So Wally, yeah, uh, angry red eyes. You know the whole compactor thing, just squishing and oozing with with gore and stuff, and the fingers and toes. Yeah. Yeah. Flames in the background and tiny, just in the corner of of Wally's front, and just a, just a little 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 built by Cyberdyne. And in the background, and in the background of the picture is Buzz Lightyear on a wall A, spraying <laughs> his face with chrome, yelling witness. <laughs> All right. So this has been our really dark takes on some movies that don't have them. What do you think? Uh, are you just scared and you don't want to listen to us anymore? And you're like, what's wrong with these guys? We don't know the answer to that. Uh, do you have darker theories? Did we not go dark enough for you? Uh, do you like this whole random movie and give it a Twilight Zone uh, <laughs> House of uh, or uh, Tales of the Crypt uh, twist? Because we'll do more of it. You know, throw us the movies you want to hear us give a dark twist to, and we'll do this again sometime. Uh, but until then, this has been uh, your weekly dark nerd alert.